that we started last week. It's our Christmas series of finding joy because in the hustle bustle of Christmas and all that goes on, I think that Christmas is supposed to be joyful. You know, joy to the world, the Lord has come. We sing about it, but some can have Christmas, right? Uh, more in Christmas. Uh, you know, the shopping, the parking, the stress of picking out gifts and parties and different things, a lot of extra things, meeting uh, up with family you don't like so well, and uh, different things can happen. That's not you, right? Just keep looking up here, and nobody will think, suspect that it's you. And so uh, we have all these things that can happen in our lives when it should be happy. Should be a happy time. Some of us wind up kind of like this kid I saw a picture of. You're at the happiest place on earth, right? That's what it's called, the happiest place on earth. I've been to Disney, and I've seen kids like that, where they're just bawling and crying, and the parents are dragging them. Come on, come on. We've just spent all of our retirement money to get here, and we're going to enjoy this place, you know, and, and it, it doesn't go as well and go as planned. But, uh, you know, as we... Uh, look at the Christmas story, and we will be doing that. Uh, you know, we, we want to bring Christmas joy to people. And that's my hope with this series. That's my hope with everything we do here at Crossroads. Just recently, we helped a hundred, about a hundred kids to have Christmas that they wouldn't have had Otherwise, where we stepped in and brought families in and we let them come and shop. Yeah, so a lot of you volunteered and were part of that. It was an awesome day of blessing people, uh, helping them, uh, and, and just uh, being a part of their lives. And now with the Life Builders and pledging, I'm so excited, so proud of this church because you guys brought the gifts that we gave away. All of us did our part, and uh, some of you volunteered and whatever, and it all came together. But, but it doesn't always work that way, you know? Sometimes you just, you just get in situations where the joy can get sucked out of you. Anybody ever have that happen? And um, Psalm 30 is where we're going to go today because we're going to look at the life of David. David was king over Israel, and, and there was a prophecy that from David, the Messiah would come. And so for generations, people looked for this. And Matthew, when he starts his gospel, he says, that was Jesus because he was a direct descendant of, of David. And so it's important that he came from David. But I want us to go back. Before we get to Jesus, let's, let's look at the life of David, the, the ancestor of Jesus. And let's look at his life because it's interesting. He would tell us today, I had joy and then I lost it. But then I got it back. And today, that's what I want us to look at. I want us to look at his journey because thankfully, he put it down for us to be able 
to hundreds and hundreds of years later be able to take his message. And it may not be new, but it's necessary for us because there is joy for us in this season if we will find it. And so as I was thinking about this this week, I was also thinking about our dining room table. And uh, my wife just recently covered it up with with a nice uh, tablecloth and put some candles on it, made it look all festive for Christmas. But underneath, I know that there's some scratches, you know. Uh, there, there's some indentations. There's, there's some marks there uh, on the seats. They're, they're wooden seats as well. And um, there are butt marks from, uh, you know, some of, our, uh, some of our genes in our family have rhinestones on them. Not mine, okay, just so you know. And, uh, but, you know, like silver, uh, little things, nub things and whatever. And those have a way of just kind of, you know, getting into the, the wood there. And so I'm looking at it here before she covered it up and thinking, you know, I probably need to you know, have this refurbished. Probably need to have it uh, kind of spruced up again. Uh, but it's 25 plus years old. And so there's been a lot of life on it. You know what I'm saying? There's been some life there. There's been some writing of homework, you know, and notes and different things. And there's been some jewelry drug across it and uh, different things that have happened in that room. A lot of life, a lot of dinners, a lot of get-togethers that have happened there. And life has a way of doing that as well. How many of you, you got some scratches now? There's some indentations that have happened. Uh, there's some things that have happened in your life that have marked you, uh, that have come into your life. And if you're not careful, those things can take away your joy. And, and so today, what I hope to do is allow the Scriptures to speak to us so that we can get refurbished. So, so we can get all fresh again and understand as we come. And David knew this. He's like, oh, yeah, I know all about how you can have joy. And then it gets stolen. But I'm here to tell you, you can get it back. And so I'm here to tell you this morning, you can get it back. You can get it back. So turn to the person next to you and say, you can get it back. You can get it back. Now turn to the second choice person and tell them the same thing. You, 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 you can get it back too, even though you were my second choice. All right, Psalm 30, if you found your place. Otherwise, we'll look on the screen and here's what it says. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths. And did not let my enemies gloat over me. Now many, when I was reading and studying for this, I understood as I was reading that many Bible scholars think that David wrote this in preparation for the dedication of the temple. Because he had supplied everything that was needed. He was actually ready to build it himself. And God said, no, uh, I want your son to do it. And so he got everything prepared. All the money raised. All the supplies, a lot of this stuff he gathered, the drawings, everything, all ready to go to do this building of this glorious temple for temple worship. And then he was going to hand it off to his son. And so I think when you get ready to do that, you kind of get a little reminiscent. 
you know, you kind of look back. And as David's looking back, he thinks, man, you lifted me. When I was down, you lifted me. And when my enemies were against me, and one of his enemies was the king himself, who, uh, we'll come back to this later, but he was jealous and wanted to, to destroy David. And, and so he's saying, you didn't let my enemies gloat over me. Verse 2, he says, Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. At one point, David was sick and ill, and, and he says, and you, you healed me. And you, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. I mean, I was as good as dead. But you spared me from going down to the pit. He begins with thanksgiving. He says, you know, I was at rock bottom. Now, how in the world did David get to rock bottom? He tells us in verse 6. Look at verse 6. He says, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. The Bible tells us that David said, I can't be shaken. I'm good. You ever said that? I'm good. I'm good. I got it under control. Nothing can shake me. Nothing can stop me. Not, I am good. And David, one of the most rocky times of his life was in 1 Chronicles where it says that, that uh, there's a story where he went to his commander-in-chief, Joab, and he says, Joab, go out there and count our army. Now, Joab didn't want to. And the reason is God had said, don't do it. Don't count the army. Because I want you to know that I can defeat the enemy. Doesn't matter how many people you have. As a matter of fact, if you have two people, I can defeat a whole army with two people. Because I've done it before and I can do it again. And so God didn't want their confidence to be in them. And so Joab says, uh, King, please. I don't think I should do that. I don't think we should do that. And he says, no, go out there. Count them. And so he goes out and he comes back. He says, well, we have 1.1 million men of age to go to battle in Israel. And we have about half a million men in Judah. So that, that's our army. And the Bible says, David said, I cannot be shaken. I can't be shaken. I've got all of this. Who's going to stop me? I've got it down. And I don't know if you've ever had those moments in your life where you felt self-confident. Where it seemed like, you know, hey, I've got the job I wanted. I've got the money. I've got the house. I've got the picket fence. I've got the dog. I've got all. You know, i got it all. I, this is what I hoped for. And the Bible says, you know, here David says, you know, you got to watch that. 
When you say, I can't be shaken. Yeah, I remember when we were living in Munster, Indiana, and we we had started a church up there with eight people, and it's just so small, and it stayed small for a long time, and I was working a second job. Rochelle worked two or three jobs at a time and all to make ends meet and different things. And then we got to the point where we built this building, and the church was just exploding and growing. And, and the church said, hey, go lease a car and have that. And then they said, hey, here's a few thousand dollars to go buy a house. And, and, and then my wife didn't even have to work anymore and she could stay home with our new baby and all this awesome this is all good and then God said move to Avon (laughs) start over and so we did And, and, and so what happens is all of a sudden now you gotta depend on God a lot more and David discovered that the more he looked To himself, listen to somebody, the less secure he truly felt. The more he looked to himself, the more he he said, when I focused on me, I found myself in the pit. And it's interesting because if you're talking to a good counselor or a good psychologist, they will tell you the same thing. If you want a recipe for, for not feeling good, just turn inward. Because if you just put all the focus on you, I heard somebody say this one time, that anybody wrapped up in in themselves makes a pretty small package. And and so when you get all wrapped up in yourself and all your thing and whatever, and and, and here's what happens. Then depression comes and all these negative things start happening. And the next thing you know, David says, yeah, you'll find yourself in the pit because that's where I was. When you focus on yourself and when you focus on the money and focus on the things money can buy and all of that, you'll never, ever have enough. You'll never really be happy. And so there are thieves of joy that can come. Anybody ever have some joy robbed from you? I want to talk through just real quick some joy thieves that come our way. And David talks about these. He experienced all of them. The first one is trials. Right? Trials. Everybody say trials. Trials come. And, and they come into our lives. And, and here's the danger of trials is they get us to focus on them. To focus on the problem. To focus on the difficulty. To focus, focus on the challenge. And so what happens is, is we begin to get caught up in our problem, our challenge, our difficulty, our struggle of what we're going through. And if we're not careful, we can start singing this song. Does anybody know this song? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Right? And we're just like, oh, yeah. Have you ever been around a group of people where it's like everybody's trying to outdo each other? And, and somebody's like, Oh, man, I got problems. Somebody said, oh, you don't have problems. I got problems. And somebody else said, I can top that. And it's like, if you just want to get depressed, just hang around these people, right? Because they're just like trying to outdo one another with all their depression and all their problems and all their trials. And that's the, what trials can do is they shift our focus. And instead of trusting, we look at the trial And here's the second thing that David talks about is sin, right? Sin. Everybody say sin. 
sin, oh, that's a big one. Because what happens is the enemy comes along, just like with Adam and Eve, and says, hey, what are you doing messing with all these 99,000 trees out here? There's this one that you ought to mess with. And, and instead of thinking, oh my gosh, we've got all this to enjoy. No, let's get absorbed about the one that he said don't touch. And, and sure enough, as soon as they did, uh, you know, transgress against God and whatever, separation from God occurred. Exactly what God predicted. Exactly why God stayed, said stay away from it. David encountered this too. You know, he's all big and high and mighty. and He's living in a palace now. And, and the Bible says that when it came time for war and the kings went out to war, David didn't go. He just sent the troops. And, and one night he was out on the terrace, out on the roof, and he notices a woman and, and he says, hey, bring her over here. And, and, and the Bible says that they had an affair. She wound up pregnant. There was a cover-up. There was a murder and all this stuff. You sh- it's like daytime TV. You know, you should read the Bible more. It, it's fascinating. It's amazing. It's, it, there's stuff like this in there. And so the Bible says that he went through it. And then it got found out, and it was a scandal, and it was just a mess. Just a mess. And in the middle of the muck and the mire of the mess, Biblical scholars believe he authored another psalm. It's Psalm 51. If you want to read it today, uh, later you can read it. And, and Psalm 51, here's one of the things that David said in that psalm. He says, it's a prayer to God. And he says, restore to me, look at it, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why? Because I lost it. So I need you to bring it back. See, sin promised me joy. I I thought if I transgressed against God, I thought if I did what God doesn't want me to do, and I I thought if I break the rules and I go out here beyond that, that I'm going to be living it. Right? But instead, no. That's not what happened. That was a lie. And so David says, now... Will you please bring it back? Will you restore to me the joy of your salvation? And then here's the last thing, or next to the last thing is legalism, right? Legalism. And, and, and that's people in your life that are like the Pharisees that Jesus dealt with, where they were all about the rules and the regulations. You know, and, and here's the thing, and I'll just be quick with this one. You know, when people have a list, and Jesus said this, they have a list they can't even live up to. And Jesus said, why are you trying to push your list on everybody else? You can't even live up to it. That's why I'm here. It's because you need grace. How many need grace today, right? And mercy and love and forgiveness and all. And so he says, that's why I'm here. And so, you know, you need this forgiveness in your life. You need this restoration power that I've come to give and I'll tell you this I have never met a joyful legalist 
It's like polar opposites, you know. It, it, never a joyful legalist. And so if you want to be joyless, become a legalist. Because that will lead to lack of joy. And here's the last one is jealousy. Jealousy. And, and again, David dealt with this. The very king of Israel at that time, he was loyal to him. And yet, because people were singing David's praises and saying, man, this David, he's an awesome warrior. You know, he beat Goliath and he's led us out there into these armies and we've been victorious. And they started singing about him in the streets and the king, Saul, got jealous of him. And so anytime we compare ourselves to other people, it can rob us of our joy. When, when you say, well, you know, I don't know why they got more followers than I do. You know, and that picture she put on Instagram, that wasn't near as good as mine. And why did so-and-so like hers? You know, I'm going to be using the right filter or something, you know. And so we're always looking for more, and when you're looking for more, you miss what God has today in your life. John the Baptist dealt with this. John the Baptist is an awesome person. He comes on the scene. He's like fire and brimstone all in one, and he's this fiery preacher, and everybody's flocking to him, and they're getting baptized, and it's all awesome, and one day Jesus came. You know, that's pretty cool. And he baptizes Jesus, and then Jesus goes, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God, you know, and takes away the sin of the world. He goes, and then here's what happened. John tells us, the Gospel of John says, Some of John the Baptist's followers then began to follow Jesus. To which one of John's followers comes back to him and says, Hey, I don't know if you know this, but here's what's going on. You baptized that Jesus guy, you know, cousin or something, you know, and you baptized him, and then he went on and whatever, and there's a whole special moment. We kind of heard a voice or something happened. And, and so then, here's what's going on. Some of our dudes are following him. What are you going to do about it? And he says, I'm not going to do anything about it. Because you know what this does? And this is what he said. He says, that makes my joy complete. It completes my joy to know that people are going to him. Because he went on to say, he must increase and I must decrease. And here's the thing about it. Isn't it true in your life? I know it is in mine that what I need to do is he must increase and I must decrease. I don't need people to think I'm the one or whatever because I am not the one, but I do know the one who can set you free, who can liberate your life, who can break every bondage of hell in your life and give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Come on, somebody. Right? He can do that. He can do that in our lives. So, so we, we, we can't hang on to je jealousy. And so they, John, John the Baptist said, I'm, I'm not going to hang on to it. And David said, I'm, I'm not going to hang on to that. But see, all of these circumstances can try to take us away from God. And it's kind of like with your phone. When you're trying to take a picture, have you noticed that little box that comes up? Right? And, and if you put the box like on a tree back behind the person, 
then the person gets all fuzzy. And then when I shift and get the box on the person, then they're clear and the tree is foggy. And some of us, our problem is our focus has shifted in our lives. And what's happened is things are in focus, but God's out of focus. Sometimes sin or whatever, or rebellion or whatever, we, we start focusing on that. And, and then what happens is God gets out of focus. And what I'm encouraging you today is get God back in focus, right? Get, get him back in focus in your life because it's exactly what David begins to do. And we'll see that in a moment, how, how he says, you know, I, I got puffed up. You know, I'll be honest, I got puffed up. I, I, I got the focus off of God, and I got the focus on my men. And I thought, wow, am I powerful or what? Nothing can shake me. I am unshakable. And then he lost his joy, but he got it back. How did he get it back? Let's take a look at the next verse here. Verse 8 says, to you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried. So he begins to turn back to God, get the focus, get him focused in. I'm going to focus on you, God. And, and because what is gained if I'm silenced? If I go down to the pit, I don't want to be in the pit. How many are tired of the pit? You've been in the pit long enough, right? You, you, it, it, the pit is the pits, right? You just don't need to be there any longer. Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? God, you are faithful God. Look at the next verse of what he says. He says, hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Now, here starts the humility factor. Because he says, you know, I, I need some mercy. How many are glad for mercy? Because when you get out of focus, when you, you get to focus off of God, and, uh, and uh, how many know God's merciful if we'll come back to him, if we'll come back? And, and so he says, Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. Now listen, David knew exactly what that was like because he had lost a dear son that had actually rebelled against him. And, and, and it's a long story, but in the midst of it, the son winds up dying. And the Bible says that David just mourned, you know. He, he mourned over the loss of his son. But he says, you turned my wailing to dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Now, we don't understand sackcloth. But in that day, they would put this on because it was a sign of humility. It was a sign of uh, coming before God, just, just coming raw before him and just saying, God, I need you. I, I must have you. I repent in sackcloth and ashes often they would do. And, and so here's what happened. God restored David's joy. So I want to wind this up today. And if you're taking notes, you want to write these down. Here's three C's actually that I want to give you. That will help us to restore joy in our lives. Three steps back to joy. The first step is this, confess. Everybody say that with me. Confess. You've got to confess it. David didn't say, it's that guy's fault. Or it's this person. Or whatever. If you read Psalm 51 today, later, you'll find out he said, no, I did it. I did it. 
I, I chose it. I chose this sin. I brought this on myself. And, and so what you've got to do is say, God, I've gotten my attention off of you, and I've put it on other things. You know, I, I put it on social media, or I put it on my career, or I put it on money, or the things money can buy, or I put it on relationships that, that weren't going to last anyway. And, and I got all fogged up, and you got foggy, but, but I got clarity on the other things, and then it didn't bring me joy. And so, God, I'm confessing that to you. And so we, we start off with confessing. And then the second one is this one, center. Everybody say that with me, center. You get to center or recenter your life. A lot of people in our culture are talking about recentering. But let me tell you something. It's important on what you recenter on, not just yourself. Not, not just things around you, but you've got to put your gaze on Jesus. You've got to recenter on him. You've got to focus on him. Because here's what David said about him. He says, I'll tell you what. Better is one day in his house, in his presence, praising him, than a thousand days outside without him. How many agree with David today, right? Just, just one day. One day with God in his presence is worth over a thousand days without him. And so what happens is, as David says, we get focused on things. We get all hung up in all this other stuff and promotions and fame and pleasure and all these things. And, and what we got to do is focus on Jesus because the Bible says, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. How did he stay on the cross? Because of the joy. What was the joy? He knew, I'm going to rise again. You, you can kill this temple, but I'll raise it up in three days. And he also looked forward, think of this, to you and me and millions of others who would be set free from every sin and bondage from the pit of hell. And he knew that on this day, I will totally do away with all sin for all people for all time. Man, that gets me excited. I don't know about you. But when I think about that, it's awesome. And then here's the last seat is celebrate. Oh, David was good at this. You, you got to celebrate. He says, when I look back at what the Lord has done, I, I just can't help but celebrate. Look at verse 4. Here's what it, how he puts it. He says, sing the praises of the Lord, you as faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only for a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. How many glad it's that way? <laughs> Not the other way, right? Yeah, and weeping may stay for the night, but how many know rejoicing comes in the morning? You can rejoice in the morning because of what the Lord has done. And, and so he begins to praise. Here's what C.S. Lewis says. Joy is not real joy until it's expressed. It's got to come out. It has to come out. See, it's, it's like if I think my wife is beautiful, okay? And she is. And I think so. But it, it has to go beyond the thought, right? How many know what I'm talking about? 
It's got to come out. And so what I've got to do is say, oh, my gosh, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. You're so awesome. Oh, you look great in that. And uh, it makes you look so skinny. And, and, uh, and so I have to, you know, and when, when, I, when I do that, listen, when I do that, I'm not just doing it for her. I'm doing it for me. And, and I'm, why I'm doing it is because when it's inside, it's like it's bottled up. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm thinking it, but then when I release it, I feel better about it. And it's like when you come to church, some of you look around and you see some people who get a little excited, you know? And you're thinking, man, they must have more money than they can spend. Man, they must have just got a raise this week. Man, why are, are they doing bouncing around over there and kind of moving their feet and, and you raising their hand? I mean, they're clear up in the air, you know? I mean, I get mine up a little bit, but you know, they're, they're like way up there, and they're, they're shouting, and then they're singing to the top of their lungs, and then they must have everything going their way. What you don't know is that person may have had one of the worst weeks in their life. They're not praising in light of what they're going through. They're praising in spite of what they're going through, and they're raising hands and declaring, you are still God in my life. Somebody get excited this morning. I mean, David is like, hey, man, there's times when I got to dance, I got to sing, I got to shout, and I can't worry about what anybody else is thinking about because I love how I feel when I begin to praise him because it's hard to be depressed and praising at the same time. You ever notice that? It just kind of lifts the load. You know, it's like we used to sing. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. And I know. How many know? I know that I know that I know that he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. Sing it with me. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Right? Oh, he's watching. He's watching. He's watching. I may be going through some stuff. I may be in the valley of the shadow of death, but you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I may not be healed today, but you are still the God who heals me. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. By your stripes, I am healed. How many are excited about Jesus today? I'm not talking about hype. I'm talking about praising him until you feel like it. Because see, what you don't know about that guy across the aisle 
is he didn't come in feeling like it. But what he said is, is this is the day the Lord has made. And I will, I will, I will rejoice and be glad in. Not I feel like rejoicing. No, that's not what he said. I will rejoice. And some of you today, the way to get out of your depression, the way to get out of that dark cloud, the way to get out of that situation, the way to get out of that valley, David says, you get, sometimes you just got to dance your way out. Sometimes you got to praise your way out. Sometimes you got to clap your way out. Sometimes you got to sing your way out. Sometimes you got to shout your way out. And as you do that, all of a sudden, God inhabits the praise of his people, and he begins to fill that car. How many know it can fill your car with a power? Power and presence of God. He can fill this place with his power and presence. And when you do that, all of a sudden, the clouds begin to divide and the power of God comes into focus and you all of a sudden lose track of everything else and you gain sight of what's most important. And he lifts the load. Let's praise him for it. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that even in spite of what we may be going through, we can praise you in this place. Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, man, sometimes I do get out of focus. I, sometimes I get focused on stuff and things and whatever, and, and, and God gets out of focus in my life. And I don't want that to happen. And I want to be so full of joy that, that my family and people around me, my coworkers, they, they can just know that there's something in my life and it's not me and maybe you're here today and you just say Craig I, I want this season to be so full of joy I, I, I want to live this life full of the joy of the Lord that is my strength I want to be full and consumed with the joy of the Lord I want to make, maintain my focus on the reason for the season throughout this time of the year especially but, but all the rest of my days I want to do that. How many are with me on that? You raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. I want to reveal Jesus like that. I want the joy of the Lord in my life. Father, we thank you today for every hand that's raised. I believe, God, that you have such joy for us that it makes no difference what our address is. It makes no difference what our income is. It makes no difference where we are or, or anything about us or around us as long as you are in us you are the hope of glory you are our hope you are our strength you are our source you are our power you are our joy and so today we just declare that over our situations over our circumstances over everything that would come our way and God we just want to refocus today on you and allow you to be preeminent in our lives. Maybe you're here today, others of you, and you, you maybe fit in the category where, where God's been so out of focus and sin has been so in focus that maybe there's some stuff you need to just confess today. And I'm not talking about coming up front or whatever. I'm just talking about right where you are, just getting real with God and just saying, God, I need you. God, forgive me. God, wash me. God, cleanse me. God, come into my life. Help me, God, to know you today. And if you're here in this place and you'd say, yeah, 
I need that in my life. I need God in my life. I want to come back to Him today. I, I want to come to Him this morning. I want to give my life over to Him. I want, I want to focus on Him today. Will you just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. Yes, I see that hand. Yes, I see that one. Yes, 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 yes. Over here, God bless you. Over there, God bless you. How many others? All right, back there, God bless you. All right, several around the room. So let's just pray this prayer, Crossroads family. Just everybody pray it out for those that have encouragement that raise their hand to pray it as well. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. I know I've sinned, but I want to start over. So I ask you to wash away my past, free me of my guilt. As much as I know how, I surrender my life to you. Thank you for coming in and giving me a fresh start. From this day forward, I want to live for you. I thank you for bringing me your joy in my heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Church family, let's welcome those who prayed that prayer. It's awesome. Ah, man, it's awesome. Listen, we want to help you take another step toward God. And one of the ways is a class that we have called Starting Points. Just a small group of people to get together and focus on just kind of early believer steps and just kind of, you know, getting our act together. And we all need help with that. And so if you need help with that in the new year, get signed up today uh, for Starting Point, and it'll, it'll enrich and bless your life. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward at this time, and we're going to dismiss in prayer. But if you have a prayer...